make sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people. Oh, definitely not, Dad. You know me. I'm never, <laughs> ever controversial or yeah, impolite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Welcome to Conversations with your lovable, never pisses anyone off, never been banned from Facebook or YouTube, never been sabotaged or censored for politely expressing a difference of opinion, ex-Muslim host Ina, keeping it non-controversial. Welcome to episode 20 with journalist and author Nick Cohen, someone who is a total hero. I'm hearing more and more, actually. Actually, I'm hearing two different perspectives, but that's that's another story. But I think you're a hero. Like, I've Thank heard you, some of your recent views on what's going on with the West and the rise of the far right, and I share your concerns. So I just wanted to have a discussion. So thank you very much for coming on to my show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So you've been saying... Some of the stuff that, you know, I have wanted to say, and I guess I don't have enough of um, a following to be noticed when I'm saying it. So it's just like when I hear you say it, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is the clarity that we have been missing from the discussion, because I see a lot of finger pointing, especially now that, you know, Trump is in power and as hard as it is for me to believe that. It's a lot of, um, well, that's because the left caused him to be in power. So I wanted to talk to you a bit about that. What do you think caused Trump to be elected? Well, there's lots of things, I know. I mean, first of all, there's just boring stuff. Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate. Right. You know, I mean, she's got so much baggage. Some of it's unfair, some of it's sexist, some mm-hmm. of it conspiracy theory. Yeah. But, you know, you don't run. In an election, there are elections you've just got to win. Yeah. You know, some elections, well, does it really matter if the left-wing candidate or the right-wing candidate wins? In the broader scheme of things, probably not. But when you're up against people like Trump or I would say Marine Le Pen right. in France, you've just got to win. Yeah. You know, these these are, it's not quite Adolf Hitler 1933, but it's sort of comparable. There are times where you've got to pull out every stop. You've got to give yourself the best chance. But the Democrats got caught up in something that's affected the left here in Britain of, of somehow there is a guaranteed progressive majority. Mm-hmm. So they thought they could run anyone. And Hillary Clinton, the Clinton family got it stitched up. And it turns out, well, no, there isn't. Yeah. Progressive majority. I mean, I, I'm and, probably blind to that same thing, too, because I thought there was no way that anybody, as bad as they could be, could lose to Trump. Like, I, I just didn't even think it was possible at all. Like, I was ready to be annoyed that it wasn't a landslide. You know, yeah. like, how well, can we let it get so bad that it's not a landslide win for Hillary? Even though I don't like Hillary, I don't agree with her on everything. But against Trump, I thought that there's just no t- there's just no chance. He's gone around bragging about assaulting women and all yeah, sorts yeah. of was, other it, things. It, so. it, it was still a bit of a gobsmacker, I have to say. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not. But you know, people, particularly at the moment, tend to hate their opponents, and hatred is a is a terrible emotion uh, if you want to win. You've yeah. got to understand why people aren't voting for you. You've got to understand why your opponents are your opponents. And then you say, well, what can we compromise on? Mm-hmm. What can't we? And if you start thinking like that, and there are huge problems for liberal left where I am in Europe, everywhere, really, at the moment, 
if you start thinking like that, then you've got a better chance of winning. But, you know, you don't go into any election thinking it doesn't matter who our candidate is or our candidate's got all the power brokers in the Democratic Party behind her. You know, she's scared off other people who might 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 be better, like Joe Biden. You know, she's, you know, it's sewn up. It's Hillary's turn. You know, she's entitled. She lost out in 2008. It's her turn. And it doesn't matter. We don't have to worry about that because we're bound to win whoever the candidate is. That's a disastrous way to think. Yeah. That really is a disastrous way to think. I mean, over here, we've we've got, I mean, our left has just gone completely uh, uh, off their heads. And they just think they can have a Labour leadership. Labour is the left-wing party here in Britain who mm-hmm. reflects them rather than appeals to the country. And they're going to suffer historic defeats as a result of it. You know, it's it's almost like pe- people do things out of, uh, not so much Hillary Clinton, but do things out of lifestyle preferences. They think, well, I can buy exactly the type of food I want. I can have it GM-free, organic, locally sourced, vegan. You know, I mm-hmm. can buy whatever music I want or listen to whatever music I want on Spotify. Why can't I have the political party that exactly suits my taste? And you can't. Politics is compromise. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point. And uh, I mean, I think we're all guilty of not, you know, of kind of wishing that whatever politics, that that it would actually suit our tastes more. Like, but it is it is always just compromise because you can't get what well, you it's, want. Well, it, it's, it's a very interesting sort of dialectical tension. Because on the one hand, you never get progress unless people who aren't prepared to compromise on the fringes of political movements make their case. Change, yeah. you know. I mean, we never got rid of slavery. We never got women's equality or anything if awkward people don't start making a fuss. But as I say, there are times, and I think we're in a time now with the rise of uh, nationalist, authoritarian, illiberal movements across Europe and North America. Yeah. Uh, where where you've just got to say, first of all, we've just got to beat these people. Right. Winning, w- winning matters. Winning matters more than anything. You've certainly got to win first before you can achieve anything. And I don't think the Democrats did that. I thought. I I, I think this. This is this is this is less idealism. It's more the power broken Democratic Party that. You know, American friends to me, I, I was asking for election, why have you chosen Hillary Clinton? She's not a good candidate. <laughs> and they said, well, they just think they're going to win whoever they choose, and it's her turn. Yeah, I mean, I guess the danger of that was, like, Trump is such a buffoon. How can anybody, how can anybody just lose yeah. against him? So, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you were saying earlier, Ina, that, that, that um, you know, it's the left's fault. Um, well, we can we can talk about that, but I mean, I think we ought to say something right up before we go any further. Of of before you start blaming the left or liberals or whatever, if people vote for someone like Donald Trump, that's their responsibility. Thank you, thank you. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, no one held a gun to their heads and made them do it. This has been my. It was their choice. Oh. It's so good to hear you say that because sometimes I feel like I'm in crazy town because nobody's pointing at the obvious. And always looking, and this is what we all got upset about when it happened in regards to Islamism, right? Where you can't hold the Islamists accountable, so then you start looking for other factors and start blaming the West or whatever else. That's right, yeah. But it's the same people now trying to do the same thing with Trump voters. It's like, don't blame them. Blame the people who pushed them into this situation. Well, no, I think that there can be a contribution, certainly, for, from from the left to, to causing this to yeah, happen. We, 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 we can get onto that, but, you know, it's, I mean, with Islamism, certainly, certainly on the European left, they were making excuses for radical Islamists that the Islamists themselves weren't making. They were so yeah. desperate to say, 
you know, it's all because of Western foreign policy. And you'd have these uh, theocrats saying, no, no, we, we, we actually believe this. Yeah. You know, we, we believe we're like the early companions of the prophet. We believe in jihad. We believe in um, in making, uh, making it impossible for Muslims to live in Western countries. And, and then you get white Western intellectuals saying, no, 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 yes. don't believe them. Don't don't believe what they're saying. Believe whatever suits our narrative. Right. And so now you have Richard Spencer, like, <laughs> you know, bringing the Nazis out. And ah, they're just a laughable little group. No one's taking them seriously. Yeah. And it's really so much of the same thing. And I find myself yeah. caught in the middle being a liberal ex-Muslim, right? So... I've, it's sort of tough all round, really, isn't it, Ina? It really is. Every was, which way. <laughs> you get sh- shit from the uh, <laughs> the Muslim conservatives. You get hated on by the Western left. Um, I don't think there's a very big Muslim left to be your ally. Um, so, and, the white, and the white right wingers hate you as well. And they hate me as well, and they've become... Oh, actually, those, those are enemies worth having, Ina. They all hate me too, so that's fine. Yeah, that's you fine, know, you're a comrade. Thank you. You know, what's funny is because I, I, a couple of years ago, I used to be very heavily critical of the left, um, and as you have been as well, right? So people misunderstand that as like, you're on the side of the, let's always fight the left and only the left, but this has never been my thing. So now... Yeah, exactly. So now when when things have shifted politically, you're like, well, no, 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 you need you need to call out the right. And it's so important that you need to that you need to take on these battles. But then people are like, well, why aren't you focusing on the left right now? But, but that's because politics has shifted. With only that, it's, it's quite interesting. So I've, I thought about this because I get all kinds of accusations. Uh, I thought about it quite hard. In that, if you look at, say, Sharia councils in Canada or the UK or whatever, denying rights to Muslim women, you ought to oppose it. Of course. Because you believe in universal human rights and you think and you believe that women's rights are, are their rights regardless of their skin colour or regardless of their culture. That would once have been a very, an almost indisputable, of course. boring thing to say on the left. Over the past 20 years, it's become... Um, uh, a thing that's not said or not said enough in most left-wing circles, and and but you, but you are when you're saying that you're saying that because you believe in women's rights and you believe the rights of women are the same uh, wherever they live, um, regardless of of, uh, of of religion or color or creed or whatever. So that's one way. But of course, there are people on the right who uh, will join with you or be with you in that same criticism, but they're not saying it because they believe in the universal rights of women. Exactly. They're saying because they don't like foreigners, they don't like aliens, they don't like people with brown skins, they don't like people of other cultures. Yeah. And actually, what's fascinating is Trump is sort of calling them out now. Well, yeah, he's bringing them we're to the get, surface. Well, no, he's get, we're going to see what these people are made of. I mean, I, I keep saying there's, there's a crisis in conservatism coming in that, for instance, lots and lots of conservative writers and intellectuals I know have been very good on freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. And you think they believe in freedom of speech. But actually, do they really believe in it? Well, will they speak out as Trump starts uh, attacking uh, the First Amendment that guarantees freedom of speech and freedom of the press in America? Or will they shut up and go along with him? Um, certainly from where I stand, most, most of those writers I follow seem to be shutting up and going along with them. Right. It turns out they don't really believe... They don't really believe in free speech. They just want to, I don't know, champion Charlie Hebdo because it's Islamists who killed them. Yes, yes. I mean, I have, I don't know where, 
You're saying all the things that I wish more people would say. So I hope this isn't too boring of an episode because usually I have a bit of a uh, like a disagreement with someone on my episodes. But right now, all I can well, say Kong, is, Kong. <laughs> give it your best shot, I know. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to maybe pose to you the things I've heard other people say. Yeah. So, so at least there's that. I mean, how far down the line are people who think of themselves as respectable? conservatives who believe in, you know, protections of the U.S. Constitution, say, going to go with Trump? Are they going to say, well, actually, he he's hated by the left and we hate the left, so whatever he does, we're okay with? There's a lot of sign of that at the moment. Are people who were all for freedom of speech when it was Salman Rushdie's freedom of speech going to be principled and actually mean what they say? We're seeing a bit of a, of a scandal developing. Uh, quite a few people on the right, certainly here on the British right, of people abandoning conservatives, abandoning their principles and saying, well, abuses of power are fine as long as they're done by our side. Yeah. And I think that's something to watch out for in the next year or so. And the maddening thing is that this is what they called out on the left. And, and I, people like me stood by them saying, yes, you're absolutely right. And that's what we should. Well, they were right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this is a difficulty with liberalism is it shouldn't be a left right left right argument. Yeah. Particularly, you know, if people I mean, I follow John Stuart Mill. If people are not inciting violence, then they should be free to speak, and you're free to mock them, ridicule them, contradict them, do whatever you want. But certainly, in the past thirty years, it has been people who call themselves liberals who have been the most keen to censor and shut up. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, call it political correctness. It's a rather odd term. It's a rather, not odd term, it's a rather uh, tricky term. It's one of those terms, you, you know, you, you you can't really escape from. And I think that has had a very bad effect, actually, on, on, on left-wing causes. Uh, and perhaps in a small way, I was saying earlier, you know, it's the people who voted for Trump are responsible for Trump, but has contributed to the rise of right-wing populism, this thing that people aren't free to speak. You can be arrested. You can be called up before your boss for saying the wrong thing. That has not helped liberal causes in the long run at all. Yeah, I completely agree. But I would like to see people call Trump out for for asking for a safe space for Mike Pence when he goes to the theater and someone criticizes him or for... Very politely. Yeah, or for wanting yeah, to no, exactly. strip citizenship from people who burn flags, like and because these these very freedom of speech advocates have been downplaying it, like oh it's just he's just trolling, he's just he's just kidding around, he doesn't really mean it, or just writing puff pieces about how he's not really as harmful, or we hope he won't do the things he says he will. But yeah, I mean it's it's a fasc- it's a fascinating thing, Ina, isn't it? it? I mean, conservatives are now going around saying Donald Trump's okay. You've got to respect him because essentially he's been lying throughout his entire campaign. <laughs> That's not it's not the greatest advert for a politician you can think of, is it? Right, right. My fear is he hasn't been lying at all. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what he says actually just proves him right. A lot of what he does, I mean, look at the people he's picking to mm. stand alongside him. They're terrifying, almost all of them. I want to say something quite controversial. You should believe politicians. You should believe people on oh the whole. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> on the whole, people don't lie about the big things. Yeah. If a politician comes across as a narcissist, an egomaniac, a bully, a buffoon, as Trump has, you know, there might be a reason for that. 
there might be a reason because that's precisely what he is. Yeah. yeah. On the whole, on the whole, in politics, people in politics lie about lots of little things. Their responsibility for that, yeah, uh, why this program's failed or whatever. On the whole, though, you know, just like people you meet uh, in a in a cafe or whatever. On the whole, they are what they seem to be. On the whole, they're not pretending. And if someone, if, you know, if you meet a man in the cafe, and he's shouting his head off and boasting and taking offence at the smallest thing, you don't think, oh well, he's just putting on that. You think, I want to avoid this guy. Well, how can you even be asked to take that gamble? Like, how can you be asked to hope that he's lying about everything? It's just, uh, I know you're gambling with a lot, with a lot. And then, how can you simultaneously be upset about the college kids that are thin-skinned, but be okay with the guy with the most well, power quite. being mm. thin-skinned? This, well, he's a real special f- snowflake, isn't he? He he absolutely is. But the people that love him are the ones that mock the the campus snowflakes, which is yeah, mind-boggling. Well, the, the, there is some crossover. I, I mean, a lot of left-wing writers quite rightly have been pointing out the past few weeks that Trump's politics, Marine Le Pen's politics, Brexit politics here in Britain are a type of identity politics. Absolutely. Uh, they're white identity. They're nationalist. Nationalism is an identity politics. Yeah. You know, you... You know, I am part of the nation. That is that is part of my of my identity. I know there's a huge debate going on about this at the moment, and I don't think it's it's as complicated or as polarised as people are making out. I just think that the problem with campus politics is is that type of identity politics plays into the hands of, hands of the right because mm-hmm. they've got their own identity politics and it's more powerful uh, in a country with a white uh, a white majority. And you know these things always end up helping conservative causes, identity politics. They always do. I mean, you must know this is an ex-Muslim. Yeah. I mean, if you start saying Muslim identity or Jewish identity or Hindu identity is your crucial identity, more shamefully, if people around you start saying that about you without your consent, then inevitably it's uh, it's the um, the reactionaries in the religious movement, the conservatives, the most bigoted people say, well, I am the most Muslim, therefore I am the rightful spokesman for this group, or I am most Jewish, or I am most Hindu. You know, identity politics is not a great way for liberals to uh, to do business at all. Couldn't agree more. Either way, either the, white, either the white right wins or reactionaries in minority communities win. Yeah, I mean, maybe then you can... You can give me some advice on how to approach this because I find myself stuck between a, a rock and a hard place almost all the time now. So here I am criticizing the religion I was born into that has affected my life. I I grew up in Saudi Arabia and... Um, oh, golly, right. Yeah. So I have seen morality police like hit my mother's ankle with a cane for letting her hijab slip in public you know i have been to mecca and been literally herded with a with a stick by the female morality police women to to the women's area and i i do want to oppose this stuff i do want to oppose forced modesty but i don't want to play into the hands of the people that do it for the wrong reasons so at the same time i'm trying to like also oppose far-right people in the West, which includes critics of Islam, unfortunately. So there's been this identity politics that's developed around just critics of Islam. So they have become like the favored group. So we can't call them out because then you're kind of like how can I well you can well I mean you can call them out you can call us anyone you want to call out Um, that's the first point Um, the second point is is that 
there has been this awful failure the past 25 years of, you know, as uh, an immigrant to Canada from an ethnic minority, asserting what for white Canadian women, our rights are so unexceptional that basically take it granted, you know, the right to use your own intelligence, use your own mind and give up on the faith of your childhood. Yeah. You know, no one, you know, there aren't undercover groups of ex-Catholics. Right, in, exactly. In North America, not undercover groups of ex-Anglicans or, or Jews, you know, it's just, oh, well, I, I was brought up in this faith, but I got about 15, 16, and I decided I didn't believe in it. Yeah. It's almost uncontroversial thing to say. But, you know, there has been this awful failure of the liberal left to defend people like you mm-hmm. and to say, because those are your natural allies. I wish that they you, were, but they're not. <laughs> you, know, you don't expect right-wingers to, on the whole, I mean, some very honourable people on the right, very honourable conservatives, but, you know, you yeah. don't expect right-wingers to help immigrants. You don't expect right-wing, right-wingers to say, hold on a second, that's a denial of her rights or that's sexism or that's patriarchy or that's misogyny. You know, it's kind, that's kind of the job of the liberal left to do that. And that has been a great, great betrayal of my generation of left wing. It's a huge betrayal with consequences which I think are going to unfold for a very, very long time. It's also made them ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, just in, just in their own terms, they're hypocrites, they've got double standards, they're absurd. They look like they don't mean what they say. And they don't understand that darker forces on the right can exploit this. Yes, like when you have feminists rallying around uh, niqabs being a, a tool of empowerment. It's absurd to me coming from Saudi Arabia, where I've seen women being beaten for not being modest enough. And to see Western feminists say, well, it's it's simply a matter of choice. It's like wearing a hat. Well, no, it's it's really not the same. You don't get caned for choosing not to wear a hat. So at least acknowledge that. We had like this big niqab scandal here in Canada under the conservative government where a niqabi did not want to remove her face veil for the citizenship oath in court. And they don't allow like face coverings in court, but she won against the federal government. And to me, that was absurd because if you don't allow any kind of face coverings, that's a pretty simple ask. Like, your face should be visible in court. It's not bigoted. It's not xenophobic. This is how we start to make change, in my mind, if we just lay down these basic values. Yes. Um, but then, you know, there were some people on the far right that did exploit that. And so when they see me criticizing the niqab from an actual feminist and liberal perspective, they latch on to my message and use my message and my words. But then when I, you know, have the same kind of criticism for illiberal ideas on the right, they're like all of a sudden, like, how are you turning on us? I thought that Islam was the only problem, the biggest problem in the world. And, you know, these other things are not not a big deal. Like, how can you turn your focus away from Islam if I'm criticizing like the far right? So they've never yeah, but, understood but, me. Yeah, but but I mean, look, if you if you're criticizing the far right or Trump, you're pretty much criticizing them for the same reasons. Yeah, you're criticizing reactionary religion. It's not. I don't see why. I mean, people find it find it find find it hard to take. They find it hard to take. Good. You know, it, that's not your problem. But that's, that's everyone that. almost now. Now I feel like like I'm alone. You know what I mean? It's like you, You're me, not alone either. <laughs> you, me, and six other people. That's it. But um, well, just going back to what I was saying earlier, one thing I think. I mean, I think the world is changing very, very fast. I mean, Trump is not an isolated example. 
Yeah. We've got people like Nigel Farage and Brexit happening in Britain. You've got Marine Le Pen doing, you know, she could be the next president of France, who knows? It's terrifying. You've got these very nationalist authoritarian governments in uh, Hungary. and You've got Putin in Russia. You've got Erdogan in Turkey. You've got the Philippines going yeah. again for a, a very populist nationalist leader uh, and very brutal. And so one hopes that, or I hope that, there will be a big shake-up in liberal thought. I really um, hope so. And you can't blame, as I said earlier, you, you know, it's not a question of passing blame, Is but when the world changes, you have to change with it. And one thing I think people don't realise, it, because particularly in sort of the intellectual left campuses, people behave, they all infight among themselves and they're all claiming who's got a greater victim status or whatever. They have very esoteric debates and they don't think that their enemies are watching them you know, and exploiting them. They, they talk as if they don't see themselves as others see them. They don't, they don't imagine that there's a wider world out there and that their absurdities, their betrayals of principle will be used, will be used against them. So even if, you know, there's certainly a very moral case for them behaving better, as you well know from your own experience. There's also just a practical political case of, you know, you don't give ammunition to your enemies. Yeah, but what if they don't, you know, what if they're not considered enemies, right? Like, so so, so many so-called rationalists are promoting fake news conspiracy websites. Uh, how, how is that happening? I don't understand, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I don't understand that side. And what type of things are they promoting? Well, you know, this InfoWars website, like... He's like a Trump supporting, like he thinks. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, Alex Jones, Paul Joseph Watson, his um, yeah, British they're, they're, friend. They're crazy. They're absolutely they're not. Nuts. I, I, don't, I don't know how you could possibly imagine people like were ever rationalists. Well, no, they aren't. But you see some, you know, some pretty prominent like atheist, anti-regressive left types promoting this. As a right. good well, alternative to mainstream media, this is this is absurd. These are people so, so, who so, think so, so, the so Illuminati is controlling the music industry and chemtrails, and it's like <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. So they're just distaste of the regressive left has pushed them into the hands of the regressive right. Right, which which to yeah. me <laughs> is worse, kind of. Well, I, I mean, the, 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 they sound like the type of fools who are just, who are just waiting for a combat to catch them. If it wasn't one, it would be the other. They'll probably all be going back the other way in five years' time. Well, I really hope you're right, because right now it seems to be okay to, like, like Nigel Farage himself, who was concerned about migrants being rapists or molesting women, but then when confronted with Trump, bragging about assaulting women he completely downplayed it so how can you be concerned about actual women and downplay it on one side but then overgeneralize it on the other side either it's not women that you're concerned about it's just your side winning that you want so uh, i mean this alt-right stuff i don't know how much you've been following yeah. Um, but there's a, a legitimate rise of uh, like the male rights activists, like, and they're not really what they sound to be. They're not just working for male rights. Some, the more prominent ones, like some of them, are like rape deniers. You know, like marriage equals consent. So there's no such thing as marital rape. Or well, in, in which case they're just they're just like a Saudi Arabian clergyman, aren't they? Exactly. But how is it okay to oppose the Saudi clergyman and promote this guy 
on your show at the same time. This is well, what boggles it, my it, mind. It, 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 it's not okay. And, you know, guess you shouldn't have anything to do with Saudi clergymen or academics in universities who make excuses and nor should you have anything to do with um, with right-wingers. As I say, you oppose them both with the same ferocity and for the same reasons. I mean, in the end, with, with extremists of all sorts at the moment, the similarities between them are far more telling than the differences. Mm. I mean, have you noticed how everyone uh, seems to love Putin? So you've got, <laughs> you've got Trump, you've got Marine Le Pen who's actually taking Putin's money, you've got Farage, they all love Putin's Russia. At the same time, you've got Jill Stein, the American Green candidate, mm-hmm. Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the Labour Party. You know, and what is it that binds them all together? Why do, why do they all like him? They like him because he's against democracy. They like him because he he's willing to just send troops in and upset the international order. It's almost like they just like the thrill of it. <laughs> it's like people going, going along with... Um, some, you know, some violent man in a bar or something. Isn't it great? Look at the way he's punching people. Yeah, well, that's kind of why a lot of people seem to like Trump, too. They, they don't claim to like his values or beliefs or the things he says, but it's just the thrill of shaking things up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think what's going to be, I feel this very strongly here in Britain, is until now, populists, for want of a better word, the Trumps, the Nigel Farage's, the Jeremy Corbyn's, Marine Le Pen's have had a very interest, had a very useful political advantage. They've never been in power. They've got clean hands. They can make all kinds of accusations against people in power, most of them made up. But, you know, no one can just turn around and say, well, look at your record. You've done this, you've done that, because they haven't been in government. Now we've got Brexit happening in Britain. The Americans have got, or will have in January, President Trump. And these people are going to, going to go into, these things are happening, and they're inevitably going to lead to all kinds of disappointments and failures and compromises. So what happens then? Do the Trumps and the Farages hold their hand up, take responsibility? Do they say, well, actually, we lied to you? Uh, I don't think that's likely at all. I think no. I think they will double down. And I think things are going to get an awful lot nastier. And they will start developing conspiracy theories to explain away their own failures. They'll start looking for scapegoats to blame. You know, I think we're in for a very, very rocky period now. And and, and I think it distracts from, from the actual self-critique, like... Like how I was saying that I was much happier to criticize the left when there wasn't these conversations about uh, do different races have different IQs being perceived as legitimate conversations among the people around me. Now I feel like really threatened by those conversations and I can't focus on criticizing the left for, uh, I don't know. I mean, mean, increasingly on the left just doesn't matter Anywhere, anywhere in the developed world. In Europe now, where it used to be normal to have a centre-left government, around 2000, yeah. most countries in Europe had one, or if there was a conservative government, there was a reasonable expectation that the left would replace in the next election. In Europe now, there are only three out of, what, 30 countries where a left-wing party polls more than 35% of the vote, and one of those is Malta, which is so tiny, it barely doesn't, it doesn't, barely doesn't count. You know, I mean, the left is ceasing to be important. Which is I terrifying, think, though. Why is that yeah. happening? Well, I mean, increasingly it's turning into, you know, countries have 
one party that's sort of neoliberal globalist type of conservatives, uh-huh. another party that's nationalist authoritarian. And that seems to be the division in politics. I mean, I do wish, and I, you know, I'm not going to go on about it, but I do wish, you know what, your generation of liberals and leftists, when they're confronted with people who start having racial theories of intelligence or uh, marry, when you marry a woman, you possess her and you can do what you want to her. Yeah. The problem the problem that political correctness has, uh, has done is that they've lost the ability to argue. They're so used to just saying you can't, people can't think that they're banned or actually people who don't even begin to think anything like that are still banned. They're all so used to no platforming or, or calling the police to say, well, so-and-so said something wrong. They've lost the ability to fight and win arguments. Mm-hmm. That's very, very dangerous. I've always said, you know, um, if you have to call the police to take on an extreme right wing and say, oh, well, arrest him, that's saying you can't beat him in arguments. That's saying the extreme right wing, that's sort of giving it an unearned and unwarranted dignity to its argument. Mm-hmm. Well, frankly, you know, if you can't beat an extreme right winger in argument, you ought to step down and make way for someone who can. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be that hard. It isn't that hard. But when you have people in very uh, um, siloed cultures who are just not used to to taking these things on, then you allow them to foster and to grow, and you don't have and, and you don't have the arguments to beat them. That and the singular focus on on the one topic, right? Even within subcultures, like you know, I know atheists don't rally around the same thing all the time, so there's different subcultures even within that. But in in the community that I at least have access to online, there has been a very singular focus on Islam, and I'm I'm happy to prioritize that. That is definitely one of the bigger problems of today but when it becomes when it goes when it gets to the point that you can't like I can't criticize Christianity because then people will hate on me immediately say you're some kind of secret Islamist or Islam apologist why are you why are you saying this about Christianity and why not Islam like I'm like I spend 95% of my time talking about Islam but one day Mm I'm going to talk about Christianity, and I want to have the freedom to do so. So I think that singular focus mentality is also a bit dangerous, where it becomes okay to ally with anyone who's anti-Islam. And those anti-Islam people can include some very illiberal and dangerous people. Yeah, well, outright fascists, some of them. No, I mean, it's very odd, because you get this here in Britain as well. You keep getting people saying, well, you, you do understand, Nick that secularism and liberalism come from Christianity. And I say, well, you know, to to an extent. But the reason they are here was the Enlightenment, enlightenment beat the living daylights out of Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're there because people fought for them. And they say, no, 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 you're not meant to say that. You're <laughs> meant to think that somehow, even though Christianity is collapsing in Britain, really, that somehow, somehow, if you want to be a secularist, you're sort of a Christian as well. And you think, well, that's not true. What? That's not how it happens. That's not that's not how it happened in history. That's not how it works now. But yes, I, I, I take your point about that. Um, and again, we will see. We will see how uh, you again. Part of the Trump success will be will be he will try and appoint judges to the Supreme Court who will be opposed to abortion on on theocratic grounds, essentially. 
Um, yeah. They, will they be attacked with the same venom? Of course They're they not. Actually, people who attack them or try to discredit them rightly are attacked instead. And that's what's upsetting to me is that there are some more immediate dangers like to the West itself. And that is this kind of rise of far right politics. And people are going to immediately run and say that I'm equating Islam and jihad with Nazis who are, you know, smaller in number and not really doing anything right now. But that's not at all what I'm doing. All I'm saying is that this threat becomes more immediate to the West because it's happening in the West. Whereas, yeah, jihadis will have the occasional attack, but they're not in government. Like, like some, some, some people started tweeting about how, oh, well, you think Trump is bad, but Muhammad was way worse. And I'm no fan of Muhammad. I mean, hence the ex-Muslim. But <laughs> he's not running for election. Well, yes, exactly. He's also yes, he's from the seventh century. He's not yeah, current yeah, but, day. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like it's like you know, there's there's a big and rather pointless argument going on now about Trump, about Orban in Hungary, about Poland, about Marine Le Pen. And people saying, well, look, Nick, they're not actually Nazis. And I say, fine, yes, of course they're not. But that's setting the bar really very low. Really, if you're saying, If you're saying you cannot criticise uh, a reactionary movement until you know they invade, they start invading all their neighbouring countries and sending people to gas camps, so somehow, you know, that is 99.9% of all political debate and all political argument ban. No, they're not Nazis, but there's an awful lot wrong with them. Uh, and they're probably going to get worse for the reason I said earlier. They will get worse because they will not accept responsibilities for the lies they've told and for the failures of their simplistic and often uh, foolish policies. They will not accept it and they will they will look for victims to blame. They'll look for scapegoats. They'll look, they'll invent conspiracies. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is only just beginning, I think, both in Britain and America. Yeah, yeah. I'm scared they, of... They'll, 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 there will, there will be, uh, you know, the stab in the back conspiracy. This is what happens after the Germans lose the First World War. The German army, which has been comprehensively defeated on the battlefield, mm. its generals and right-wing politicians in Germany refused to accept they lost. They were stabbed in the back by the socialists, by the liberals, by the Jews. And the stab in the back conspiracy allows them, allow, then goes on to fuel Hitler and the Nazis. I think there's going to be all kinds of stab in the back conspiracies about Brexit, mm-hmm. because Brexit is contrary to what the British people were promised, is going to be hugely complicated and miserable and difficult, and is going to cost people money and jobs. Mm-hmm. And of course, no one, no one said that at the time, and they will invent new enemies to blame it on. And I think the Trump presidency is going to be marked. Yeah, those people in the Midwest who voted for Trump because they thought he was going to bring them more jobs. Yeah, will when more jobs don't come, more when their healthcare gets worse rather than better. Trump is not going to say, "Oh hell, I, I, you know, I lied to you, or I was over optimistic." He is going to find someone else to blame. Yeah, of course. I mean, because why? It's yeah. You know, I keep going back to there's a crisis in conservatism. In that conservatives used to be the small c conservatives used to be one who who always used to say quite rightly, you know what? People must accept responsibility for their own actions. Yes, <laughs> you know, which is which is you know not even a it's it's very small c conservative thing to say, but you know that's true. In the end, you are accountable for what you do. Uh, but conservatives are very good at saying that about poor people on welfare, you know. Um, but they're not so good at saying it about themselves. They yeah. really aren't, and they they will come up with every variety 
of voodoo, history, and conspiracy theory to wiggle away from uh, from the consequences of what they've done. Right, and it's funny to me that you know I've seen comments floating around calling you a regressive leftist, a social justice <laughs> warrior. <laughs> it's the first time I've been called that. <laughs> yeah, you should check out the comment sections after you do interviews. They're quite amazing, or maybe you shouldn't for your own. No, no, I, I, I'm a journalist on the Garden Observer here in London. The first rule of all journalists is Don't, never read the comments. Right, section. yes. <laughs> that way madness lies, I know. Yes, I know, I know. I should not do it myself, but... Yeah, stop it at once. <laughs> I'll try my best. It's good for your mental health to keep away from those places. It's so true, it's so true. They're you get dark. a very dark view of humanity if you go down there. Yeah, YouTube comments are especially like the, the darkest corners of humanity. I don't know what's so so special about YouTube, but YouTube seems to bring it out. But, but yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I, for someone who's criticized the left a lot, you for you to be called a regressive leftist or a social justice warrior simply because you want to call out the rise of the far right is, is just I can't wrap my head around it because well, see, I, 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 I've been called most things in my time. I, I've never been called that before, but I'm sure I'm sure I, I better get used to it. Well, this is the new still- thing. This is the new thing now because you're you're you know concerned about the right. So that's what you'll be. Yeah, called. but, but I, I mean, I, all I'm doing is arguing for for liberal consistent values. I mean, that's all. And, uh, you know, it seems to be, it seems to be sort of you have to explain yourself for, you know, hours on end to just say, look, I am against Sharia councils denying rights to women. Uh, I I am also against Donald Trump doing the same thing with what he said on abortion. Two thoughts. Why is that even, why is that even a problem? Why is anyone remotely confused about that? (laughs) I'm in favour of freedom of speech for Salman Rushdie and Charlie Hebdo. I'm also in favour of freedom of speech for the Washington Post and the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Again, why is why why is that even difficult? Because we, people like to pick shouldn't, teams. Shouldn't, 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 shouldn't you be surprised if I wasn't? Yeah, that but, would be difficult if I wasn't. Yeah, except people would probably find that more comforting because you've just picked a team and you're just yeah, going along with it. And that's the tribalism that, that is the problem. Like, I don't think I fall into that as much because I am attacked from everywhere. So it's very hard for me to even pick a team if I wanted to because no team wants me. We have no natural me. home, I know. Yes, no team wants me, so I can't pick a team. So yeah. that's why. Well, that, see, that's I mean, that's not good for the political health of your society. No, at all. no, not at um, all. Because there ought to be a strong liberalism in Canada that that says, obviously, a young a young Saudi woman here. I'm actually Pakistani who, who grew up in Saudi, but yes. Forgive me, sorry. Never mind. Sorry. It's it's okay. <laughs> a, a young a young Pakistani woman in Canada who uh, rejects theocracy, rejects misogyny. Obviously, we're, you know, she's going to find a welcome home among us. So it's not good for your society. It's good for you as a writer and a journalist, though, not to have a natural home, not to have a team. Because yeah. that way you write more freely. Yeah. This is a small consolation as our world goes up in flames around us, but it's good for your writing. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's so good to talk to someone else who, who completely is on the same page because it's so rare for me to at least experience that. I've almost not experienced that as much as I do watching your recent interviews at all. So, I mean, people people have been telling me what a hero you are or 
what a regressive leftist you are. <laughs> no, just, just stay with the ones who say what a hero I am. Forget about the others. <laughs> yeah, and, and I fear... They're that, nobodies. You don't you want to waste your time with the minor. No, I try not to, trust me. But they, the, the extreme people always have a way of being the loudest. And I keep being bounced between the left that thinks everything is white supremacist and I'm a white supremacist. There's a wonderful, uh, she's not ex-Muslim, she's Muslim, she's a liberal Muslim woman in Britain called, called, uh, called Sarah Khan, who's been campaigning to try and stop radicalization in British, British Asian communities. Yeah. And she's, expla- and she's explaining what she does at some meeting. And two white women accused her, of, white leftists accused her of being a, an Islamophobe. Yeah, and and Sarah says, hold on a second, hold on a second. One, I am Muslim. Two, actual Islamophobes, you know, from the extreme white right in Britain, threatened me. And now, at the same time, I'm attacked by you just because I'm making a diff- uh, not difficult argument, but a principled argument. Right. This is why I stay away from the term Islamophobia because uh, it's just well, I feel like. Why can't I be disapproving of Islam? It's anti-Muslim bigotry. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's 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 got a pretty disgraceful history. Islamophobe, Islamophobe is a term. Yeah, because it comes up with Khomeini in the Iranian Revolution in '79, and it just means any criticism of Islam. Right. So, and I, I much prefer the phrase anti-Muslim bigotry. Exactly. Which a lot of those conservatives you were talking about are anti-Muslim bigots. Yeah. They don't. They're not. They're not against repressive religious laws because they're repressive, or indeed they're religious. They're against all Muslims because they're Muslims, and because mm-hmm. they're foreigners, and because they have a different skin color. So, I mean, anti-Muslim bigotry is a far, yeah, a far. It's a more accurate term as well. It doesn't have. It doesn't have this uh, this very dubious. Well, that's the thing, right? Uh, people who are anti-feminist usually and say pretty sexist things on the internet will join me when I'm opposing sexism in Saudi or misogyny in Saudi and say they're really concerned for women's rights in Saudi Arabia. But it's very hard for me to buy that when they're harassing Maryam Namazi. On Twitter, you know, uh, why, saying, ha- why harassing Marianne? <laughs> oh, um, there's just uh, so much politics for so many reasons. People harass her. I love Marianne. She's one of my heroes. She's lovely. Yeah, I mean, I don't always agree with her, but I have a no, ton she, of respect all, for her. She's also tougher, tougher than steel girder as well. She really is. She absolutely is. But I mean, people like say Tommy Robinson. He was. Um, he was making fun of her doing a nude protest and just like... Yeah, well, look, Tommy, Tommy Robinson's, Robinson's from an extreme right-wing organisation in Britain. <laughs> well, that's so I funny mean, because... I know you shouldn't worry about disagreeing with someone like that. But I'm shamed you really for shouldn't. it, though. I, I you am should, shamed you, you for should it. worry about agreeing with them, frankly. <laughs> that's what I say, but then... You shouldn't worry if, if the leader of the English Defence League is on the other side to you or you look at what he's writing... And think, my God, this man is a stunning hypocrite, liar, yeah. and fool. Yeah, I mean that is that is that is that is a perfectly reasonable thing to think. But you see, he's being promoted by some pretty influential people, and that's that's the trouble. He's being promoted as a not far right uh, person, as a person with liberal ideas who's just been you know misrepresented by the mainstream media, and that this is a problem. I was actually an advocate for Tommy a couple of years ago because I did see hope when he left the EDL and joined Quilliam. I was like, you know, there's hope for this guy maybe he just went down 
a wrong path and you know I'm going to reach out and and extend a hand of friendship to him because I want him to see that you know even as someone from a Muslim background I can sympathize with whatever he's experienced so if he's going down that path of becoming less extreme then great power to him but he proved me wrong completely. He yeah. went and formed Pegida and retweets white rights accounts and talks about white genocide. And he's worse than how I perceived him to be before. So I can't be an advocate for him anymore. But now I'm being told that, well, no, he's he's the real liberal. So, oh. Yeah, well, I mean, that, 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 that is so clearly nonsense. It's, it ought to be beneath your contempt. Well, these are people who have far more um, influence than me, so it's unfortunately that's that's the more popular view. Well, I, know, I think you should build your influence, build the legends. I, I try, I try, but people are easily upset by me because I don't pick a team. This is this is the problem. Well, but, but, but uh, yeah, but I'm, I mean, here, here's the thing: um, you've got to, and I would say this to listeners, listeners of yours who 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 are agreeing with you, and uh, you know. You've got to expect it to be a struggle. Oh yeah, I do. I do. You, 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 you shouldn't. Uh, you shouldn't expect. You know, you come out to something which is you know, truthful and right and principled. You know, for all for people all around you to suddenly start. You know, people who've been opposing you suddenly go. Oh, you know what? You know what? The the scales have fallen from my eyes. Ina, I've just listened to Ina, <laughs> and you know what? I've been wrong all this time, and she is absolutely right. It it just doesn't work like this. I would say I would say this though. I do think that we are going through such a a, a crisis, and so many old assumptions are being thrown up in the air, including assumption of is there still such a thing as the West? You know, as because the West? West was this place of sanctuary where you could go to to escape, you know, whatever religious persecution or what have you. Is that still the safe place it once was? All these assumptions being thrown away, thrown up in the air. Yeah, and, and and you know, you cannot. Whatever happens historically, people's preconceptions, people's opinions are going to have to change to make to, to meet a new reality. It would be astonishing if people just carried on as a way before. I'm not saying that what will come in future will be better. It may it may be worse, but you know, some of the people who you know you feel in. Uh, the middle class social justice warrior university left in Canada have so let let you and people like you down. You would hope they would change or at least start thinking again rather than just doubling down on what they've been doing for the past decade. Yeah, I mean, what would it take, though? I don't know. I, I feel like in some sense Trump can unify the left because then there's this new focus and everybody can see that that is a problem. At, at least on the left, most people can see that Trump is a, is a problem. And, and if that's not unifying, if that doesn't bring out your inner, inner liberal, then I don't know. I don't know what will. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, in America, they seem to be all over the place at the moment. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. yeah. And it's funny, I interviewed a um, conservative Muslim Trump supporter. And wow. Yeah, she was a very uh, interesting person to talk to, but she didn't pretend to be, like, you know, liberal in any way. She really liked Trump because of his views on abortion and uh, LGBT. So because she, she didn't like other people having those rights, she was okay overlooking Trump's stances, kind of, on Muslims and hoping... This is, this- 
this is what's been so weird about the past couple of decades. I mean, I, I know there are reasons for protecting my own race and whatever, but, you know, if I were to show you an article defending a movement that wanted to subjugate women, kill homosexuals, kill Jews, uh, kill any Muslim who of his or her own free will decided to abandon their religion or change their religion and say, look, Ina, here's this piece. I want you to guess what type of paper it's from, what type of newspaper mm-hmm. it's from. You would say, well, obviously, Nick, that's from a left-wing newspaper, not a right-wing newspaper. And that's we're so used to that, we don't think just how utterly weird it is. So equally, obviously, equally, obviously um, religious conservatives are going to uh, quite like candidates who are, you know, against abortion, against women's rights, against homosexuality. Mm-hmm. You know, that is a normal right-wing thing to happen. Yeah. What's been so odd about the past generation is if you like left and right have been t- have been standing on their heads. Yeah. Now, yeah. hopefully, and I'm probably I'm being far too optimistic uh, for my own good, and you'll probably throw these words back in my face in a year or so's time. I just hope that some people just start to change a bit now because of the, the scale of the crisis is upon us. I really hope so. I mean, I, I can already project that you've probably upset some of the listeners by saying that Christian. What did you say? Christianity was dis, uh, dis, dismantling no, 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 the, the UK. No, 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 the, the, the point I was making was you were saying, "Oh, you, you're not. You, you're told off for attacking Christianity." Yeah. And I was saying, "There's this. There's this story around, which is everywhere, really, that uh, we are liberal, we are secular because of our Christian heritage." And the point, you know, the point I made is, well, look. The reason we are secular and liberal is that the Enlightenment beat the living daylights out of Christianity. Mm-hmm. It stopped it being theocratic. It stopped people having to pay money to the church, come what may. It stopped people being uh, being uh, talked to deaths for being heretics. Though, you know, these things were fought over. Yeah. And the only reason Christianity and, to a lesser extent, Judaism are basically civilized at the moment is they were made to be. Yeah. People force, force, you know, force so that's that despite Christianity, not because well, of it's, it. it's despite the, the theocratic elements of yeah. Christianity and Judaism. There are, there were always were liberal Christians and liberal yeah. Jews, just so liberal Muslims now. But yeah. you know, the notion that, that 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 this this was not a painful and political process and struggle is just historically absurd. Right, but why mention it at all is what some people would say, right? Why why focus on that? Why bring it up? Why not only focus on jihad and Islam? Well, I think people should focus on jihad and Islam if, if, that, if that is what's threatening. But you know, the reason you are, to go back to, to universal principles, is the, the reason you are against them is that you believe in secularism. You, yeah. don't, you don't believe in... Uh, anyone claiming a divine mandate to oppress or to censor or to have in your case some kind of inquisition into whether you are whether you have the right uh, as a as an adult woman to to change your faith or leave your faith and when you see again people using uh, divine mandates to restrict other people's rights, you attack those too, yeah. whether they are Christians, whether they are Jews, whether they're Hindus. Right, it's, it's just it's just being consistency. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why people are upset by it. Like, well, I mean, I think what they are upset by is are they uh, opposed to Islamism as they say they are, or are they really just anti-Muslim bigots? 
Right. It's your whole principle thing, right? Are you principled in not latching on to something simply because it's anti-Islam, just like how you want the left to be principled to not latch on to something simply because it's anti-West, which is what the left mm. does with Islamists, right? So yeah. if we can criticize that, then we can criticize this in the same way. And I don't know Ooh. why it's so hard for people to follow this through consistently. It's not just, a problem at all. <laughs> Not a problem at all. Yeah, you, you should be able to do it in your sleep soon, Ina. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so, without being, you know, um, beaten down on Twitter. But, yeah, that's the peril. You, 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 the, the mute button is a wonderful invention. It really is. But freedom of speech, Nick, what kind of... No, I'm just kidding. But that's what I get thrown at me all the time. That I can't mute or block or curate my content in any way because then I'm an enemy of freedom of speech. No, but, no, 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 no. You'd be an enemy of freedom of speech if people who disagreed with you, you sent, sent uh, a squad of trained hitmen round to take them out. <laughs> That's being against freedom of speech. Or try freedom to pass of, a law. Yeah, freedom of speech, th- there is no right under freedom of speech that means you have to listen to idiots. Right, so where do you no fall on this, um, on this Milo Yiannopoulos being banned from Twitter thing? Because well, it's up to- it's up to Twitter who it has or has on. Right, know. that's what he I was, think too. It's their product. He all, he, he, I mean, Twitter's just a private company. He's, he's under no obligation to have me, you, or anyone anyone else on. If I start whipping up on uh, you know online hate groups to uh, to attack you or someone else, then Twitter's perfectly entitled to say, "Well, we don't want you here." Yeah, he's yeah. Still, his freedom of speech hasn't been taken away. I think people don't understand freedom of speech. They seem to conflate it with freedom from criticism, like people did this with Absolutely. the Trump, Trump voters Absolutely. as well. They called it vote-shaming. Um, yeah. So it's a strange term. Like, you can't hold them accountable for people that they voted for. Like, don't, don't, don't um, judge them on their choice to vote for Trump. Why? You're, you're so right on that. You're so right on that. It is, because the argument for freedom of speech is simply that, as long as you're not inciting violence, yeah, uh, as long as you're not inciting people to break the law, burn someone's house down, you know, beat them up, you're free to say what you want. But that does not mean that people who listen to you aren't equally free to criticise you, attack you, mock you, ridicule you, satirise you. That's what a free society is. Right. And there is this really weird thing that people think that as soon as someone criticises them, they're infringing, you know, they're infringing my, they're shaming me, they're infringing my right to free speech. No, no, absolutely, freedom of speech is the freedom to criticise. Yeah. Tr- uh, I, mean, and I, can't, I can't think of a better and more succinct definition of it. Yeah, right? That's why we fight for freedom from religion as well, but... yeah. Nick, I'm afraid I haven't been able to disagree with you at all. That's all right. That's all right. I, I, it doesn't bother me at all. Makes a very pleasant change. Yeah, yeah, for me too. Well, thank you so, so much again. Well, it's, it's been very kind of you. Thank you for having me. And uh, I hope you don't get hate tweets from this. I hate to be the reason that other people are hated on. I'm pretty right. sure, though, that you will upset some people with your comments about the right. Well, yeah. I'm used to it. Okay, yeah, you you can handle it. Well, take care, and everybody go buy Nick's books because he is awesome, as you guys just heard. Thanks for listening to another episode of Polite Conversations. You can support this podcast by sharing the shit out of it, making some noise about it, or contributing via Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash nice mangoes. No Ian mangoes. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at NiceMangoes. 
If you want to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon one, you can do so via PayPal, nicemangos.blog at gmail.com. Remember, no E in mangoes. If you've got an interesting story and would potentially like to be a guest, you can email me there too. A special thanks to Dylan Beck for theme music, sound, and production help.